Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. that you're here this morning. You're catching us uh, in the third uh, series of an attempt. For those of you that have not been here on July the 5th, I uh, outlined five principalities that I feel like we are facing, confronting, battling as a body. And the first one we've been dealing with is the principality or the principle of isolation. And so we've been in a three-month, uh, This when, when we finish this particular series that we're starting today, we have taken, we'll have taken three months to battle this particular principality. Um, I am convinced that it is the cornerstone. Once this one falls, the rest fall. Uh, because the rest depend on your connectedness to everyone around you, to whether you'll have the strength and the ability to even battle the rest of the principalities, because you can't fight those alone. So we're in this together. So let me kick off this friend series this morning by saying this. I believe it is the basis of every level of relationship of meaning, not just your surface relationships, but if you are going to have any relationship of meaning, this is where it has to start. Every relationship of meaning has to have a foundation in friendship. In fact, Jesus elevates and reveals that he highly values friendship. Uh, now, now, don't wait until I get into this 20 minutes to catch up, because I'm going to drop some bombs on you right at the beginning. So this, this is going to be a short intro right into the bombs. All right, are you ready? Because here's where it happens. He makes a statement regarding friendship in John chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 15. The dilemma with this passage is this. When we read the first part of this, we want to only attribute this to Jesus and his relationship with us. And I don't believe that's exactly what he was doing. I think he was talking about us, too. Because he says this, he says in John chapter 15, verse 12 through 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, one version says this, it says, to, no greater love has any man than he put his life on the line for his friends. Then he, he, there's this, this thing that happens. He, he begins to address his disciples, and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Just think about that a moment. He says, instead, I've called you friends for, for everything that I've learned from my father I have made known to you. We, we read this passage and what we do is we jump to that phrase that no greater love has any man than he lay his life down for his friend. And we take in a stock of the relationships around us. And, and some of us go into a fit of depression because we go, I don't know if I've got anybody in my life that would lay their life down for me. I don't know if I've got anybody in my life that would die for me. And we, we, we go to that level. But I would submit to you that the dilemma there is this. We fail to look around us and recognize, like the other version says, that there are people putting their life on the line for us every day. And so we walk into this almost a spirit of depression. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. Nobody's in relationship with me because I can't count the number of people that would take a bullet for me. But we overlook 
and discount the people that lay their life on the line for us every day. Uh, some of you are sitting next to folks that whether you know it or not, they're laying their life, they're putting their life on the line for you every day. The fact that she's still with you means that she's putting her life on the line every day. The, the, the fact that he puts up with all the makeup sitting around every sink in the house. This, the, okay, I better move on. I, I'm about to lose my life. And um, So we jump to these conclusions. <laughs> but I, but I, whew, I, I was on dangerous ground for a moment. I, uh, I felt barbs coming. I don't know. Uh, uh, there was a revolt. Uh, I need somebody to take a bullet for me right now. Uh, okay, I didn't have any takers. All right. Uh, I want you to notice something in this passage before we get into the text that we're going to read this morning as our jumping off point. I want you to notice that Jesus experienced a progression in his relationship with his disciples. Do you do you see the progression? The Bible says that 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 um, he graduated, if you will. He goes from calling them. Apparently, at some point, he called them servants. But now, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And then he tells us why. What warrants that kind of graduation? What causes that kind of progression? You know what it is? He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends because you know how to handle my business. Okay. I couldn't get no help, all right? See, there are a lot of folks in your life that want to and have the ability to handle your gift, but they have no ability to handle your business. Okay, so so some of y'all need to quit calling folks friends because all they want to do is they want to handle your gift, but when they get involved in your business, they tear everything up and they can't handle it and they mess everything up in your life and they end up hurting you, not because they mean to or not because they even attempted to, but because they leak to people that hurt you. They don't know how to handle your business. They become your, you can qualify true friendships when somebody's in your life that knows how to handle all your business. They see the dirt. They see the grime. They see you on less than best days, and they're still there. They still report for duty. They still want relationship with you. They know how to handle your business. Some of you got some folks in your life, they can't handle your business. They can share your business. They can gossip about your business. They can Facebook about your business. They tweet about your business, but they don't know how to handle your business. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I need you to just to handle my business. Just handle, handle, handle my business. See, Jesus understood something that we've got to learn. We've got to understand that intimacy is incremental. Time allows us to incrementally trust someone to share with them our business. Some of us get our ourselves in trouble because we meet somebody on Facebook one time and we go to Starbucks and run into somebody one time and all of a sudden we want to tell them our whole life story. We share our business and they have no ability. We haven't invested time enough to incrementally develop intimacy and therefore they don't handle the business correctly because we haven't vetted them. We haven't proven their trust. Listen, the Bible declares this, you owe every man love. That's the only thing you owe anybody else is love. Access is earned. 
access is earned. You, all you owe everybody around you is love. There are people in this room that you owe. You, you have a mandate to love them. That is the mandate. That does not mean that you have to give everybody in this room access because they haven't been proven. Their character has not been vetted in your life, and you don't know what they would do with your business if they found out your business. Intimacy is incremental. So, so listen, this is how it works. Associates get your gift. But friends get your life. Do you understand this morning that Jesus reserved friendship for a select few? In fact, we ought to probably feel a little bit sorry for Jesus because he only had a few friends. Right? He had a select group of individuals that he granted friendship. He had multitudes and masses that followed him from a distance and wanted his gift and wanted his uh, anointing. But they didn't want his life. They didn't know him. So... This is what we know. Friendship is paramount. Friendship is so important that we make this statement. I know you've heard this statement. We say this, show me your friends and I will show you your destiny. Right? You, you ought to know that already. I have spent, uh, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks and have still been talking about how important climate is, right? But do you understand that people create climate? That, that's that's what de- that's what determines climate in your life is people. Okay, I can't get no help. So therefore, if climate is what causes change in my life and it controls the trajectory of my life, then I must manage my relationships to manage the direction of my life, right? So we got to understand relationships. Your destiny is not is determined not just by who you are, but it is equally affected by where you are and who you are with. Who you're running with determines the destination and the direction of your life. Some of y'all headed in a bad direction, not because of where you live, but because of who you hang out with. Okay, okay, it's too tight for y'all this morning. We should know that relationships are important because in the garden, you understand that the devil was idle. He wasn't messing with nobody until God created Eve and put Eve in the garden and established a relationship between Adam and Eve. And then when relationship is established, then the enemy goes on the offensive. So we ought to know. From day one, well, not exactly day one, from, from day six till now, we ought to know that when relationships get in the mix, the enemy gets involved. Okay. <laughs> friends are important. They're important. Let me tell you, there are three kinds of friendship, or, or three kinds of friends. Now, what I'm going to say to you uh, is from this angle, it's, how you are a friend to someone else. But I also want you to understand that you need to flip the script on this and think about the people that you want to be friends to you, all right, because it goes both ways. Three kinds of friends. The, the, the first one is this. They're, it's the friend I would like to be. Okay, that's one kind of friend. That, 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 that's I'd like to be this friend. Second, there is the friend they would like for me to be. And third is the friend that God needs me to be to them. Now, here's the dilemma. Those three seldom ever line up. Oh, it's quiet in here. Okay, because I see when y'all leave here, some of y'all are not going to have very many friends left. I'm sorry. You're going to realize you just got a bunch of associates. 
but at least you'll know who the real deal is. See, you, you've, got to, you've got to understand that those three seldom line up because in order for me to be the friend that God needs me to be to you, it requires at moments in my life when I'm not going to be able to be the kind of friend I wanted to be and I'm not even going to be able to be the friend that you wanted to me, me to be. I'm going to have to step up and openly confront and rebuke and set you straight as a friend because I have got to be the friend that God wants me to be. Let's flip the script. You're not always going to be the friend that you would like to be to somebody, and you're not always going to be the friend they want you to be. But if you're the friend that God wants you to be to them, it is going to require you at moments to confront and to rebuke and to come along and challenge and set straight. You need to be the type of friend that God wants you to be and needs you to be. Well, I believe that friendship is paramount. It is the basis of all other meaningful relationships and that this level, this level of friendship never happens by accident. So I just want to take some time over the course of the next few weeks and we want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you, are you a good friend? What kind of friend are you? Do the people that you qualify in your own mind as friends, do they live up to the qualifications that the Word gives us as friends? Man, it is quiet in here. What kind of people should you connect to as friends? See, if you don't know this, if you don't know those things, then and you don't know what to look for in a friend, then you will connect with the wrong people. See, I, 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 part of our problem is this, is that uh, when... We, we struggle to select the right folks most of the time because we don't even know that there is a friendship manual that we get to go by. It's called the Bible. We don't even consult that. It, all we care about is, do you like to hunt? Yeah, I like to hunt, so we, we're friends. Do you like OU? Yeah, I like OU, so we're friends. If you like OSU, we can't be friends. If you like Texas, we're enemies, mortal enemies. Um, that's all we go by. Or worse, what we do is that in the absence of discovering the Bible's teachings on friendship, what we do is we settle for the instructions that we get from other sources. So what happens is this. We learn from society and what it says about friendship. So then what we do is we, we long for what they portray to us as true and meaningful relationship. In the 1990s, on television, through humor and 30-minute segments, they pull off great friendship in 24 minutes every week. It's ridiculous. It never works. How many of you know it never works this way? <laughs> All right, but they, they portray to us and they define to us what relationship and friendship is really about. And so what we do is now, since we don't know what the Bible says about friendship, what we want is we want what Ross and Rachel and Monica and Chandler and Phoebe and Joey have as real friendship. That's got to be real friendship. It's on TV. It's got to be true. That's what it's really like to have friends, right? Well, uh, I want us to stop and I want us to see what they taught us about friendship.
So here's what they taught us. Chandler and Rachel are stealing from their neighbors, and rather than pushing each other to honesty, they actually pull each other into deeper acts of deception. By the end of the show, they have continued to steal cheesecakes from Mr. Br Mrs. Braberman, and they're on the floor because they dropped them, and they're eating them off the floor with forks because they're so good. So, so true friendship then means this. You don't have to have character to be my friend. Okay, it's going to get quiet. I know it's going to get tight in here. That lesson stands. I know it's funny. I thought it was funny. It's just not what the Word says because it stands in direct opposition to what the Word says. Let, let me show you what the Word says about who we should hang with. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools. This version is nice. And watch your life fall to pieces, because it ought to say, walk with fools, and you become a fool. <coughs> okay, that's Steve's version. Never mind. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the second half says this, bad company corrupts good character. But friends taught us that you don't need any character. What I want to submit to you this morning is this, is that the number one trait we should look for in a friend is this, character. Character. When, when I ask you about what you want in a friend because of what we've been taught by our society, most of us, what we will say is one of two things. I want a friend who's loyal. Or number two, I want a friend who will accept me. I don't want them to judge me. I want them to love me just like I am. However, according to the instruction manual, the ability to be the friend that God wants you to be or to have the friend that God wants you to have, it all boils down to one trait, character. Character. Solomon and Paul both come to the same conclusion. They conclude this, character rubs off. In fact, they really conclude this, bad character, lack of character rubs off. The wrong in the wrong crowd is contagious. All right. We, see, y'all ain't man at me because we like to tell high school students about who they ought to hang out with and who they shouldn't hang out with. And then when our, our high school kids graduate into college, we want to tell them, hey, you don't need to be hanging out with that bad crowd. You don't want to be hanging out with, you got to hang out with the right folks. There's only one problem. As adults, we continue to run with people who have no character, who we continue to run with people that cheat. We continue to associate with people that steal. We continue to uh, run with people that evade and refuse to be responsible. And the longer we make those kinds of friends our friends, then what happens is we become more characterless in our life. If you want to be a good friend and you want to have good friends, then it is going to have to start with being and finding people with strong Godly character. Because we are so lonely, what we do is we settle for loyalty in the place of character. And I've already mentioned this last week, that if you're not careful, people in your life that you count as friends who have no character but they're loyal, they will, they will, they will stand by and they will assist you in friend-assisted destruction. We talked about Joel. In fact, they will, they will call themselves friends, and you will call them friends, and they will make your destruction their entertainment. They're loyal to you, but they don't have enough character to step in and say, hey, buddy, you can't do that. 
I can prove it to you out of Scripture. Adam was loyal to Eve. Word. But he stood right beside her and watched her destroy her life. And guess what? Our lives too. Never said a word. Never stepped in. Loyal. Listen, you don't need somebody just to keep you company. You need somebody of character that will step in. You, you Listen, I, we even substitute acceptance. I just need somebody to love me. Listen, I don't want somebody to accept my laziness. I don't want somebody to accept my pride. I don't want somebody to accept my, my sin. I don't want somebody to accept my anger. I want them to be a character person enough to go, I love you so much, and you're my friend that I will not stand by and watch you destroy your life going to accept that in you. You're better than that. I'm going to call. I want somebody that will call up character out of me. Okay. See, I've got to look for people who have character because this is, don't miss this. I want you to begin to find friends, real friends who have character. Character is important because I don't want to have to wonder which few is going to show up. Some of y'all wonder which, which, which you in your friend is going to show up because character, what it does is it allows me to rest in knowing how you respond, how you will respond and whether you are trustworthy or not. What I've discovered is that that's where that whole judging thing comes in. We talked a little bit about last week and confrontation comes in that we talked about last week because we bought the lie that we aren't supposed to judge. So we don't examine character close enough. We just make them our friend. This is what I've learned. Lack of character examination causes us to treat people like they've changed, and yet what most of them have done is they haven't changed. All they've done is they've made an adjustment. I'm preaching better. Okay. I, I don't know. See, I, 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 I just know this. Over a period of time uh, and, a season of and, a, and a, a, a season of adjustment will end, and your character will come out. It never fails. They may never do it to you on purpose, but who they are will ultimately reveal itself. So in other words, what I'm saying to you then is this, is I don't want to know if you stop lying. I, I want to know if you're no longer a liar. Because if all you've done is stop lying and say, well, I won't lie to you, the season of adjustment will end, and when the heat gets turned up, ultimately that character or lack of character will elevate again, and you will ultimately, whether you mean to or not, you will lie to me. I'm trying to help somebody right here. I don't want to know if you quit stealing. I want to know whether you're no longer a thief. Because if all you say to me is, I've quit stealing, I'm hiding my wallet when we're hanging out because you haven't told me that you're no longer a thief. Okay, let me see if I can see. But who they are will manifest again. Some folks only adjust to the consequences of pain and the plague in their life. When Pharaoh tells, the, tells Moses, hey, take the children of Israel and let them go, six different times his character is revealed again when the pain stops, when the consequences are no longer there. He, he suffers through the boils and the frogs and the flies and the grasshoppers and, and, and watching Texas football and all these plagues that come over his life. And when the pain, he says, let them go. And Moses goes, okay, stop. The blood stops. Texas wins one game. In a, and, and all the consequences are over, right? 
and then it, then since all the pain's gone, it wasn't a real change. It was just an adjustment. He goes, oh, no, you can't go no further. And then you remember the firstborn dies, and he finally relents, and he lets him outside of his sight. But his true character manifests again in his pursuit. My, I want to find people that aren't just sorry. I want to find people that have repented. You know the difference? I don't want just remorse. Oh, I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry I lied to you. I'm so sorry I stole from you. I'm so sorry I didn't handle your business correctly. I want to find somebody that has actually changed, not just an adjustment until the pain ends. I got caught. You caught me in this, so now I'm sorry. No, I need somebody. If you're going to be my friend, I got to find somebody that will own their mistake and go, I did that. I shouldn't have done it, and I want you to tell, I, I want to tell you, and I will prove to you over a period of time, I have changed. I'm not who I was. You have to come to this place where you're willing to trust the character of a person, and you don't ignore what their character shows you. Should I be a friend with them? Did they adjust or did they change? There's a second part of this, and, th and that is this, is that some of you are having issues in your own daily life, and the reason is, is because you, you are so desperate for companionship. Some of you are so lonely. That you have chosen character projects as your friends. And I just wanted to come and tell you, and say, I know you're lonely, but listen to me. Character projects cannot be your friends. They're your assignments. You've got to know the difference. Because if they are a character project and you make them friends, you're going to want to share your business. And because they're a character project and they're not at the maturity level that they need to be, they will not handle your business correctly. You cannot make a character project a friend. They must be an assignment from God. Their character issues will rise up. And they will be turned against you in the time of trouble. If they don't have character, then they will let you down. And here's the dilemma. They will try to pull you down in the process. I would rather be lonely than to misplace an assignment as a friend. Some of y'all are living through this right now. You know this because what happens is their lack of character will ultimately put you at risk. And what it will do is it will cause you unwanted, unneeded pain and cost you time, energy, and resources that you will never get back while you're trying to help them through their character issues. They can't be friends. My question today is this for you very quickly. Is are the people you call friends eating cheesecake? Are they involved in things and actually want you to get involved too? And if that's where the people that you're calling friends are living, and that's what they're doing, they are not friends. I mean, ever since I never took a transit from my friend that handed me the pencil. I never looked at porn until my friend showed me on the cell phone. Not a friend. I never flirted because I was married. I never flirted, but then I saw my friend. I, 
I never struggled with finances. And then I saw my friend go out and put everything on a credit card that I had to bring home. They are not a friend. They're saved. I'm inviting you into deception. They are not a friend. If you're leading someone in deception, you're not a friend. I don't care how cool the show was. I don't care how funny it is. That's not true friendship. Because true friendship is based on character. That when I see you stumbling, I run to your rescue and I go, come on, baby, you're better than that. Come on, bro, you can't do this. You're going to ruin your life. I will not stand by. But if it's based on friendship, my character requires me to say, that person, you're, you're stealing, you're lying, you're cheating. That's not true friendship. Are you a person of character? Are you loyal, but you show no character? Are the people you're hanging with people who have made an adjustment? Or are they a people of character who've made a change? If not, it is just a matter of time before their lack of character will bite you and drag you to the ground. Don't share your business with people who have no character. Here is the Bible teaching on this. Are you losing people's character? Pulling people into it because they're not friends. Are they eating some cake and encouraging you to have some cake? Listen, if we're going to get this friendship right, then the number one trait that we have got to begin to look for people is this. We've got to begin to look for character in people. We've got to find people in our lives that we can graduate to a new level of intimacy and friendship because they've proven over time. Father, this morning, my prayer is simply that you would oversee our relationships. God, I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to help us to learn, to learn the difference between associates and friends. And God, I pray that as we begin to walk through life and we we need companionship, I pray that you would teach us not to settle for loyalty. And I ask that you'd help us not to, to settle down for just acceptance. Father, I pray that what we would do is we would begin to wait on people to show up who are people of character. And God, I pray that we would be people of character. Because there are people all around us that are desperate for relationship, desperate for companionship, and you've assigned us to them as friends, not, not some just acquaintance. You've put us in their life to be a friend. God, I pray that our character would rise up and we would be willing to be the kind of friend that you need us to be to them. God, I pray that we would find people in our own lives that know how to handle our business. And when they don't, I pray that we would believe what they show us and quit ignoring what they're revealing. And God, I pray that you would enable us to handle other people's business wisely so that they can count on us and trust us as friends. God, for the folks that are in this room and watching over the Internet right now that are lonely,
That is a reality. We can act like nobody's there. But, Father, I know better. There are folks in this room right now. There are folks watching over the computer screens right now that feel forgotten and feel alone and feel like nobody cares. And I understand that that is a painful place to be. But, God, I pray that they wouldn't, out of that loneliness, I pray that they would not get in a hurry and misassign people in their lives because that will just create greater pain in the end. Father, I pray for those that are lonely this morning that you would begin to send people of character, quality people that are upright, people that have integrity, people that are godly in their activities, in their beliefs, and I pray that you would send them the right people. And God, if that's us that you want to send, I pray that you would allow us to be ready to go. We would step in. And we would become the friends you want us to be. We ask you to do this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Only my prayer team looking around. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. You will never find a friendship in this life as tight and as important as that friendship. He has proven himself. He was a man of character. He lives up to his word. He never forsakes us. He never lets us down. You need that kind of friend in your life. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus. I'm not in a relationship with him. He's not my best friend. I've not made him a friend, much less my Savior. But I want to elevate that relationship in my life. And I want to make him the Lord. Personal relationship with him. If that's you... We will not embarrass you. We want to pray intelligently. If you need Jesus as your friend that will stick closer than any brother, would you just raise your hand? You can pull it right back down. I need him in my life. I want to surrender to him this morning. Is there one? Father, I pray that you would prove yourself faithful for all of those under the sound of my voice that have established you as the Lord and the Savior and the friend of their life. I pray that you would become the friend that they need. We recognize that there will be moments when you're not the friend we want. But we want you to be the friend that we need. I pray that you'd speak truth and life into us. Help us to accomplish your will this week and be a person of character to our friends. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, put down that cheesecake. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.